Well, hello, good listener. It's Steve. And before we start the show, I don't know if you heard the news, so I'm going to give it to you now. We have a brand new Patreon page that is a complimentary to this here podcast. You can visit patreon.com backslash world gone good. And for the low, low price of $4.99, not even five bucks a month, you can support this show. Help us pay some bills to make the show keep happening for you, and you're going to get lots of good. We already just put up three really fun things. I think you'll enjoy it. It's a kind of just a new experiment we're trying. We've never had a commercial here. We've never had a sponsor, and uh, we'd love your support from Patreon. Go visit patreon.com backslash world gone good. See if you like it. Maybe sign up. It's monthly, no subscription. You can cancel at any time. Go get you some brand new complimentary good at patreon.com backslash world gone good. And now here's our brand new episode. I've always had a crazy big picture in my head. I do not think small. I want to be the go-to coffee for animal lovers nationwide so that I can impact rescues and sanctuaries so that I can affect the lives of millions of animals, hopefully work towards eradicating animal neglect, abuse, and unwanted animals. Hi, I'm Claudia McMullen, and you're entering a world gone good. Well, hello, my name is Steve, and here we are yet again, shining and finding the light in the darkness to prove there is still good out there and lots of it. Welcome to World Gone Good. Please take a minute and subscribe wherever you download and listen to us in on. And while you're at it, give us a quick rating and review. Do you know Spotify recently added ratings? We'd love some five-star love from you. When you rate and review us, you help more good people find us. And for that, as always, we say thank you. Okay, let's look at the statistics of something very important to all of us. Drumroll, please. Coffee. Three in four Americans drink coffee every single day. The average American coffee drinker downs around three cups per day. This equates to 400 million cups of coffee consumed in the United States each and every single day. All I can say is, damn, that's a lot of coffee. And if I have more than one cup, I will not be sleeping because the caffeine will keep me up and I will be peeing all night. Just thought I'd share. So we love our coffee, right? Now, what if I tell you the coffee you choose up to three times a day can improve the life of a rescue animal or farm animal? My good guest today is here to tell way more about that. Claudia McMullen is building a coffee bean roasting empire that's mission is to save our favorite four-legged friends. This is her good story. Well, Claudia McMullen is here today and... 
we met in a very unique way because we both know Denise Montrose. How do you know Denise Montrose? I know Denise Montrose because my company, Hugo Coffee Roasters, has two brands, one which supports um, companion animals rescue, dog and cat typically, called Hugo Coffee, and the other is called Fluffy Cow Coffee, and it supports farm animal sanctuaries. And that is how I met Denise and her fantastic sanctuary because we did a fundraiser for her. Amazing. So she's with the Tennessee Cow Rescue, which is also called Sama Farms. And she is the second highest, most downloaded episode of our 130 plus and going on three years episodes of all time. So she, I honestly think that she goes door to door in Tennessee. Will you listen to this? And she just keeps asking people, would you mind listening to this? Would that be a problem if you listen to this? Um, So let's take a step back here. Let's go really wide for a second. Coffee. America, the world loves coffee. When did you have your first cup of coffee? Oh, Lord. Uh, Probably in college in in the early 80s. So it's the 1980s and you were not drinking coffee. But then there, were, there was some sort of coffee incident. You were kidnapped by coffee. What happened? It's actually, that isn't, that isn't really how life happened to me. I, you know, I grew up in the 60s and the 70s and, you know, Maxwell House and Folgers, man, and I didn't drink it. And then I went to college and I probably drank some coffee in college, but I have no real memory of coffee. I moved to New York again. Yeah, sure. I drank coffee, but I never made coffee at home. I would go to the corner deli and get you know, coffee dark uh, or coffee regular and clearly didn't care about the quality of the coffee. Right. And then I moved to Utah and I still wasn't involved in coffee. Coffee came along. It was ancillary to how, to my love of animals. Right. So what happened with respect to coffee in my life is I bought a coffee shop in 2013. I did so because I was ready to not be a lawyer anymore. Okay, you you are all over the place with your career. <laughs> I know you, you actually, Steve, might want to. It's hard to go chronologically with me because one, I'm old as dirt. Two, I've had like five careers. So, <laughs> like, coffee is the last career. Okay, so let's go back for a second, though. You went to college for what? What purpose? What was your degree? That what? What, you, what was your dream at the time? Oh, I had no dreams. I was like told to go to college, so I went to college. I have a finance degree. Um, I did that because I thought it was I was good with numbers, and it was something that I it was it wasn't hard for me. It wasn't a hard topic for me. Um, and so I graduated in 1982, and I went to the University of Colorado at Boulder, and then I moved to New York City. Nice. Uh, what propelled you to go to New York City? Uh, my sister was there, and I had nowhere else to go. <laughs> well, it's good you had a place to stay. <laughs> I had a place to stay, got myself a job, got out of her place, got off the couch, got an apartment, started a life I had never planned on, dreamed of, anticipated, and then suddenly in, at 22 years old with zero connections in New York City, I landed in New York City. Wow. Well, see, we're a little reversed because I did the opposite. I left New York City, pit stopped in Arizona, and at 22 years old, I landed in Los Angeles knowing absolutely no one. So we're mm. similar in that in that way. Now, you said that you uh, owned, opened a coffee shop. Where was the coffee shop? So in tw- it was in Park City, Utah, 
in, in an area called Kimball Junction. Just to give some context, the, at the moment that I bought a coffee shop, I was the chair of the Summit County Council. So I was an elected official. I was the chair of the council. And in that capacity, I sat on the, our chamber bureau's executive committee. The Chamber Bureau had built this beautiful visitor information center in Kimball Junction, and it had a coffee amenity in it, a coffee kiosk. The first year of, of its operation, it was run by a company called Silver Bean Coffee. I used to go to said coffee shop inside this visitor center because it was big and bright, and you, I could read a document, and I could talk to constituents, and I was also practicing law at the time, so I could meet with um, clients and not sit on top of each other. And I love that. I'm sitting in a meeting in December, 2012, I think it was maybe December, 2013. And the head of the chamber said that silver bean did not renew its lease. So it was not coming back to the visitor center. I said, Oh my God, that's a travesty. You got to call this person, this person, this person. And he said, I did, I did, I did. And I'm like, Oh God, well, we gotta, we gotta fix this. Cause this is, I loved going to this place. And I went home to my husband. Now, for further context, I had been really trying not to be a lawyer for a long time. I've tried lots of things. And I thought, well, I can do that. So I bought a coffee shop. Um, what did your husband say when you decided to buy a coffee shop? He said, no. <laughs> and then he said, You'll be terrible at that. And I said, one, not asking permission. Two, shut up. Nice. So I bought the coffee shop. And I and I named it Hugo Coffee because I had also run an animal rescue, the, our local animal rescue for a few years. It was called Friends of Animals Utah at the time because I've been a lifelong obsessed fan of all animals. I love animals. And... Like Denise, I am also an empath and animals are my thing and have always been my thing. So I finally got what I thought was my dream job. Didn't work out. We can talk about that for the why later. Um, but I adopted Hugo. This really, I, I'm a foster failure. I got him at three weeks. He was weaned way too early. Backyard breeder, gross. I took him in, bottle fed him. And then, you know, there was no way in hell I was going to adopt him out. I was going to keep him. So then when I start, when I bought a coffee shop, instead of calling it Claudia's coffee, cause people, I had name recognition because of my public office job, as well as having run an animal rescue, you know, the beloved local animal rescue. So I called it Hugo coffee. And so I bought a coffee shop. Let's clarify. Hugo is a dog. Hugo is a dog. What kind of dog is Hugo? He is a bully breed mix mutt. Those are the best. So he's got to be oh, 10 years old. He is actually um, 13. Oh, he's he 13. Born. He was oh. born in 2010. Yeah, so I adopted him before, way, you know, three years or, or more before. Um, I foster failed three plus years before the coffee shop arose. Got it, got it, got it. Got it, got it, got it. Um, how difficult is it to run a coffee shop? Because I'm one of those people like, you. first of all, you, you already told us that you don't like coffee. So I, we got to go there for a second. Oh, like and you're coffee. running a coffee shop. I found right. that fascinating. So that's one. Two, how difficult it is to run a coffee shop? Because we have all these coffee shops here. I love them. But I'm like, how do you make money at a coffee shop? 
Go. Answer the questions. Start start with your love of now coffee. <laughs> okay. So I, you know, coffee has evolved in the in the 40 years since I first started drinking coffee. Right, right. I mean, literally, when I started drinking coffee, there was no Starbucks. Right. So, you know, I, I evolved like the rest of the world. I drank Starbucks. I thought it was bitter and, you know, whatever, burnt, but people drank it, so I drank it. Uh, I drank at the local coffee. You know, I supported local coffee roasters. I had a taste for coffee, but I'm not a, that isn't, I'm not a connoisseur of coffee. I have a talented roaster who I started my business with, who is that part of the business, who's developed the fantastic coffee roasts that we serve. So when I bought the coffee shop, Silver Bean was a high-end coffee. It was very good coffee. And I used their coffee as part of the deal. Like I bought the equipment. I exclusively serve Silver Bean coffee. Fast forward a year or two talk about not making money. Let me tell you when you don't make money in a kiosk inside a visitor center as a coffee shop. <laughs> I knew I was never going to make a mortgage or anything, frankly, if I didn't do something else. So the, so business wise, the way to make money in a coffee shop is not to be at a kiosk in a visitor center. It's to have you know a better location with foot traffic. One. Two, have more than one location. That's the That's basically the equation on making money in a coffee shop. I then pivoted two years later to the world of coffee roasting. Right. And I did that because Silver Bean sold to a distributor. Mm -hmm. And when Silver Bean sold to a distributor, I knew the coffee quality was going to go to hell and the prices were going to go up. And I thought, well, no, let's vertically integrate. And I launched Hugo Coffee Roasters with the talented roaster that I grabbed from the former Silver Bean. So his name is John Lynn, and he taught me everything I know about coffee. And he is the human behind the fantastic roasts that Hugo Coffee Roasters sells. When did Fluffy Cow Coffee come into play? So I started a roasting company in 2015. And I think I'm so smart. And I'm going to vertically integrate. Like, And what the hell am I doing? 54 years old, I buy a coffee shop, for God's sakes. Again, I started in 2015. Fast forward to, I think it's November 2017. I have an epiphany in the shower because there was a roaster from Australia coming to the United States. And unfortunately, they were landing in Park City, Utah. And I thought, what am I going to do? to distinguish myself from this buying power that's walking into my small community where I'm already competing against two other coffee roasters, but I don't have the buying. I mean, imagine like Pete's of Australia landing in your town and you're a small coffee roaster. Sure. I realized I had a natural differentiator in that my coffee is named after my dog. I love animals. I converted the business into a social mission driven business. So prior to 2017, I would give to animal rescue, right? That's just what I did. You know, I would donate, I would hold events, I would underwrite, um, I would underwrite our local uh, NPR stations adoptable moment to benefit a particular rescue. And then I thought, no, I'm going to, I'm going to make a coffee roasting. I'm going to convert the coffee roasting company into one whose mission is to save animals because it's, 
authentic, it's who I am, and it's a natural differentiator. I'm going to support animal rescues nationwide and make the difference I've always wanted to make. Did you see it as a big picture thing like you just described, or was it just happening as it happened and you went with the flow? I have always had an insanely big picture in my head. I've always had a crazy big picture in my head. I do not think small. I want to be the go-to coffee for animal lovers nationwide so that I can impact rescues and sanctuaries nationwide so that I can affect the lives of millions of animals and hopefully work towards eradicating animal neglect, abuse, and unwanted animals. Now fast forward to the fall of 20. Unfortunately, I'm in the middle of COVID, which was horrible for the business because I hadn't pivoted to direct to consumer yet. This guy had started this brand, Fluffy Cow Coffee, at the beginning of 2020 up in Washington State. His name was Colton. He reached out to me on Facebook and he said, you have a coffee, your coffee brand and my coffee brand have the same mission. Would you like to buy my coffee brand? And I thought, sure, because I love all animals. I'll buy a brand that supports farm animal sanctuary. So I did. And what I got out of Colton was my give back model at Fluffy Cow Coffee. We do weekly, week long online fundraisers benefiting a specific farm animal sanctuary around the country, whereby I donate $2.50 for every item sold on the website to that sanctuary. Okay, let's go here for a second. You're running two different companies, similar nope. companies, same company? Same company. It's just two different brands under the same company. So the company's Hugo Coffee Roasters, and it has two different brands. One is the Hugo Coffee brand. Got it. The other is the Fluffy Cow Coffee brand. Sure. Hugo Coffee supports dog and cat rescues, and Fluffy Cow supports farm animal sanctuaries. Do you ever feel overwhelmed? Frequently. <laughs> how, do you ha- <laughs> how do you handle it? Oh, my gosh. Because you're doing a lot here. Entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. And unfortunately, I have never really been motivated by money. So I just keep giving away all the money. I I was going to ask you that because that's a key thing, okay? So as far as being an entrepreneur, running a business, I have found so many people that I know who have failed focused on the money, focused on the money, focused on the money. But when you focus on the passion of it, and doing it, that's where the key difference is. Yes. I even like develop products specifically so I can bring it everywhere. That's brilliant. We just launched biodegradable and compostable K-cups. Like I would never have a K-cup because I would never use plastic. That's, right. That's horrible. Plus my coffee is, it's high end, right? So that doesn't really scream K-cup. The K-cup coffees, they're sitting in plastic for so freaking long. They're old it's it's foul what you're 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 putting in your system it's disgusting and you're also putting hot boiling water through plastic through yeah. way old coffee it's bad you're just just go drink plastic we just launched for hugo we just launched in our top two most popular roasts as well as decaf we launched biodegradable and compostable k-cups so tell everybody what the what the flavors are, the roasts are. Go. 
the products are named with a nod towards the mission, right? So Hugo Coffee is named after my dog, Hugo. I love dogs. I love cats. I love all animals, but the, the dog is on the bag. So all my roasts are named with a nod towards dogs. So Black Paw French Roast, Bonafido Dark Roast, Rollover Breakfast Blend, Howler Espresso, New Trick Light Roast, Downward Dog Decaf, and Dog Days Cold Brew. Similarly, with Fluffy Cow, all the roasts are named with a nod towards cows. Cowabunga, Dark Roast. Deja Moo, Medium Roast. (laughs) Morning Grave, Light Roast. Utterly Decaf. Who comes up with the names and do you test them? No, I do not test them. I say they're good and I slap them on a bag. <laughs> now, this is a creative process going on here. When do, your, when do these come to you? Do you find yourself giggling over something? Or you? How does it work? It's not entirely what I just said. So when I first launched... No, it is. Look, look, we are establishing things. You're some sort of oligarch... I'm going to kill you. <laughs> now, when I started my business, I have great friends who have our aver- own advertising agency. And it was through the Whitney's that I came up with the, with the Hugo coffee names. Right. We didn't test them, but we brainstormed. And this is what the team came up with, including my staff, what we all liked. So those are the names. And then with Fluffy Cow, we did the same thing with the agency I was working with at that time, which was 2021. So it was not that long ago. And we did the same thing. We came up with funny names. And then we, you know, just as a group, we decided what ones we liked. Has an Osmond ever come in and drank a cup of coffee in front of you? No, but Tim Cook did. Oh. Park City does get its share of celebs because of the Sundance Film Fest. And because it's a world-class ski resort town. By the way, I don't own the shop anymore. I sold the coffee shop in 2021 because I wanted to focus on growing the roasting company because I wanted to affect animals. And the shop was distracting me. So I sold it. It basically became my first franchise. It's still called Hugo Coffee. It's, it's, just it still uses Hugo Coffee, but I don't own or operate it. And the same thing is happening in November of 2023. A Hugo Coffee shop is opening in the Salt Lake International Airport. And I will not be, it'll be basically essentially my second franchise. But I'm not operating any of it. I am focused entirely on growing the Hugo Coffee brand and the Fluffy Cow brand so that I can give back to animals. On that note, how do you decide on sanctuaries, on where to give the money? What's the process for you? When I got Fluffy Cow, I got Colton's list of sanctuaries that he'd worked with. So I reached out to them to do another fundraiser. I wanted to dupe his um, his model of give back, only I changed it a little. Uh, I wanted to be transparent and um, completely open booked about the give back because one of the things I do not like and never have is the model of I give to X percent of a random metric to animal welfare organizations. 
because I don't feel like it's authentic or transparent because I don't, because, you know, I could give 20% of nothing all day long. So what we did is we took that model and because I ran an animal rescue, I also know that the work of animal what rescue and sanctuary is done by the thousands of small cash strapped volunteer based organizations dotting this country. And I wanted to help them specifically, not the big boys particularly. I wanted to help the ones that need it the most where the money goes right to the animal's welfare. So we started by retargeting those with whom Colton had worked, and then we just expanded out. I actually have a philanthropy manager in Hugo Coffee, and her job is to reach out to sanctuaries and rescues and pick the smaller ones, right? We don't want to pick too big of ones, and we want to pick ones that um, need need help the most, right? So we would reach out, and then they would get back to us, and then we just we created a format by which I decided $2.50 for every item sold rather than proceeds, the words proceeds or a percent. No, $2.50 for every item sold is going to go to that sanctuary. And I Venmo and write checks on Monday. Luckily, in the past two years, we have become more well known in the world of farm animal sanctuaries. So now we don't really have to go find the sanctuaries. They come to us and ask if we'll do a fundraiser for them. What does your husband say now about your coffee endeavor? He was not supportive of the coffee shop. He he was very supportive and has been my number one supporter of the roasting company. Why not the shop? Was it did he think it was too much work for you that you'd be exhausted or you, what 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 was his his thought on that? His thought was what the hell are you talking about? Why would what do you mean? Why would you think you could run a coffee shop? You're a lawyer. You know, I was a litigator. So you can I can't imagine. tell that at all, at all right. in this conversation. Right. So you can imagine the personality <laughs> type. He's like, no, I don't think so, Claudia. But I treated the coffee shop like I w- I loved it. It was like having a dinner party every night. Of course. I was kissing babies and hugging dogs and my, and my coffee shop was dog friendly. So I was constantly running around kissing dogs and, you know, hugging babies and doing anything I could to make people happy. And it was really super fun. Until, like I said, I had these two brands in of a roasting company and I needed to focus where my passion is, which is that, which is animal rescue and th- via the root of selling fantastic coffee. You just said something really important. It makes you happy. Do you think that coffee makes people happy? Oh, yeah. I think coffee very much makes people happy. I think people love the rituals around coffee. And I think people today really want their purchase decisions to comport with their values. And you're creating community. Yes. Which is what you started out doing in the first place in the coffee coffee shop. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I, you know, and community, you know, when I lived in New York City, community was not a focus, particularly, you know, working at a Wall Street law firm, that's not really your focus. Um, moving to a small town, it became very different, right? I became very involved in the community. As I've mentioned, I was elected twice to run, you know, to, on the Summit County Council. I I like to say in with Obama, out with Obama. (laughs) And, And I'm all about community. 
if you could go back to 18-year-old you, that woman who left her house to go to college and didn't know exactly what she was even going to college for, which I understand completely, same story, what would you say to her? What would you say to a younger version of yourself? I would say this to anybody, myself at 18 or any 18-year-old. Don't be afraid of change. If you've made a decision that doesn't work out, you can always make another one. You can undo it. You can make a different decision. Don't be afraid to take risks. And don't be afraid of change. It's funny that you say that because you're following a show, uh, literally following a show that was all about change called Change Gone Good 2.0 because one year prior to now, we did a show called Change Gone Good with two of my very good friends. And we all got back together a year later to see how the changes worked out. And we all talked about that, about we, we, sur- we survive and thrive. It's a little scary, but the adrenaline of being a little scary, that's a good thing to be a little scary. It's a good thing to, to take that risk. If you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. 100%. And if you're not growing, you're probably going backwards. We close these shows with three questions. Don't worry, you know the answers. Question number one, where do lovely people like me go to get coffee that helps dogs, cats, cows, and goats, and all sorts of other creatures, great and small? Plug away. All right. If you want fantastic coffee that supports companion animal rescue, you go to Hugo.coffee. You follow us at the Hugo Coffee on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, not so much with the TikTok yet. Um, if you want to support farm animal sanctuaries and a, have fantastic coffee that promotes a plant-based life, you go to fluffycowcoffee.com and follow us at Fluffy Cow Coffee on Instagram, Facebook, not at all on TikTok. All of these fundraisers for all of these organizations during the course of the week of the fundraiser, I sit down with the executive director in a live stream and chat with them about all the great work that they're doing in the world of animal welfare and what impact our donation will have as a result of the fundraiser and All of those videos are on YouTube. Second to last question. Can go back to anything we've already talked about. Anything you want to say. Question is this. Who inspires you? I'm really inspired by leaders of companies that want to change the world in a give back way make people's lives better, not via their products particularly, like not because of some technological breakthrough, but based on the kind of things that I do, right? Support the nonprofits and the sanctuaries that help in a world, in an area that is a, is a passion of mine. And one of my, honestly, one of my biggest inspira- inspirations was the, the man who started Cotopaxi. And his name is Davis Smith. And it's a Salt Lake City based company. And he inspires me. 
and when I met him, I was like teary in a meeting, in a crowd. He spoke and I had to, I was practically pushing people out of the way to go talk to him and meet him because he was very inspiring. And the final question is not even a question. It's the way we end the show. You can go back to anything we've talked about, anything you want to say at all. Tell me something good. I think something good in a world of so much not good is the work that people like you and the nonprofit, all the work that's being done in the world to try to undo all the harm. Thank you, Claudia, for sharing your good. Go get you some Hugo and or Fluffy Cow Roasters and help animals as you caffeine it up. Next time on World Gone Good. We have a choice in life and some people don't want to see it. And there's fear involved. Fear is, I would say, the biggest limiting factor. It's like, if I were to look inside this Pandora's box, what would I see? Would I like myself? We are getting our good Gaia on with Maria Marshall, the creator and curator behind Gaia Goddess Lifestyle, where the goal is to empower through healing and community and embrace radical self-love. We love radical self-love. This is going to be a good one, a good new episode for you, all about leaning into our spirituality, accepting and embracing our true selves, and there may be even talk about a retreat coming up in Greece that you might be very interested in. Time to connect with ourselves and the planet in our next brand new episode. Until then, be good. <laughs>